Welcome to another edition of ATL Prime Sports. I hope everybody had a happy 4th of July. I'm JJ Jurchevich. Joining me this evening is the one, the only, Larry Gardner in Adairsville, Georgia. And of course, our fabulous producer, Wayne Reidenauer in Memphis, Tennessee. You can find us all at ATL Prime Sports on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Personal Twitters at JJ Get You One for myself, at RWY Junior for Wayne, at LG the number four real though for Larry Gardner, and of course at Quarter Todd for TC Todd Quarter, who is on vacation this evening. How's everybody doing? Wayne, we'll start with you, man. I'm doing pretty good. We had a little bit of rain uh, and wind come in here and knock some limbs and stuff down in the yard, and I'm gonna go pick those up tomorrow morning. I'm doing pretty good. Not as well as the Mountain West Conference, though. This after one of its institutions, San Diego State University, informed the conference that it had intended to leave on June 13th. Now, with no Power 5 invite in sight, San Diego State University will move forward with the Mountain West Conference. So that's why they are doing better than I am because one of their prime institutions, they get to keep that conference intact. Larry, how you doing tonight, man? I am doing well, gentlemen. I'm glad to be able to enjoy another episode of ATL Prime Sports. Got a chance to do some wonderful baseball on Monday at Rome with a come from behind victory and fireworks. So. Those are always nice to have with, and as you all well know, our, our wonderful Braves and the Major League bunch is doing very well. You know, you know, we, we could be, we could stick our chest out here in Atlanta. So glad to see their their performance and having all those All Stars. But otherwise, everything's great in the Darisville, man. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. Awesome, awesome. What's on tap for today's show? We'll do some NFL offseason notes. That'll kick off the show. We'll do some NBA free agency notes as well, and we'll go around the horn in Major League Baseball talking all the news and notes from the first half of the season. Believe it or not, folks, we're heading into the last series right before the All-Star break. So let's kick this show off with a little NFL. The NFL is just a little over two months away, which is also crazy to think about. A lot has happened since the Chiefs beat the Eagles to win Super Bowl 57. Let's go over some of the storylines from the NFL offseason. Guys, let's just pick three random ones, uh, each of us, and we'll we'll chit-chat about a minute apiece or so. And uh, let's have some fun. Larry, kick this thing off, man. What's uh, your number one offseason story from the NFL this year? From my personal perspective, and I hate to always start with the home team, but, the, but the defensive revamp, of the Atlanta Falcons defense from defensive line, linebacker, and secondary. Number one, that's huge. Number two is the acquisition of Bijan Robinson is a draft pick to me. That was remarkable for uh, the home team. On a entire NFL scale, the story that's taking place with the Jets and acquisition of Aaron Rodgers it's probably a big one up there, along with the both offensive and defensive rebounds for the Miami Dolphins as well. There are so many different things that are going on in the NFL, but 
I'm I'm just excited about what's going to take place in Atlanta. I'm 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 excited to see what this season's going to show. I mean, we had our guests from the alcoholic here just a couple of weeks ago. They gave us a lot of insight as to what was going to take place in Atlanta. A lot of great insight there. So um, if you're a Falcon fan, you ought to be excited because this is the most juice that this team has been talked about probably since 28-3. And that's not a positive talk, but the chatter is still there. Uh, this this NFL season is going to be, I think it's going to be one for the books because you still have the teams that are in the power of the Chiefs and, and of course, the, the the Eagles. They didn't lose anything. Jalen Hurts walked away with a lot of cash in his pocket, and, and deservedly so. But if we're focusing on the home squad, I think there's going to there's gonna be a lot to be excited about if you are an Atlanta Falcons fan, J.J. I like it. Wayne, give me uh, one of your three stories, or all three of them. And I got I got the A-Rod story is definitely one of mine. So you guys now know one of them. I, I've exposed one of my cards. Wayne, go ahead and give us uh, one, or uh, go ahead and give us all three of your stories, man. Well, one of them is very common, apparently, the uh, Aaron Rodgers and New York Jets. We're going to see what happens with that. Uh, my second one would be Sean Payton at Denver. Uh, that'd be I'm I'm waiting to see what's going to happen with that. I think that's going to be a big turnaround for them. I hope for the best. And then my uh, I'm going to go ahead and pick a sleeper in the AFC. And one of mine is uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I feel like they have made very few changes. And I've, if they, if they're not going to be somebody people expect to do well, I'm picking them as a sleeper. I like those three stories. Uh, I mentioned one of mine already and Alex Rodriguez. And since we all have that one in common, let's break that story down a little bit, shall we? With the addition of Alex Rodriguez brings immediate pressure and, um, you know, respect for, for the Jets. And, and honestly, you have preseason hype, which you haven't had in, in several seasons. Uh, since they've gone to the playoffs, they've, they've had the longest, one of the longest droughts in the NFL. I can't remember off the top of my head uh, when, when it was like 06. It's, it's been a 10, 10 or so year drought. But if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm correct on that, it's been a long time since the Jets have been in the postseason. So uh, you look at Aaron, Rod, uh, Aaron Rodgers and what he immediately brings to the table is leadership, uh, a ability to throw the ball deep and you have guys on this roster like Garrett Wilson who are hungry to win and maybe this is the push in the right direction you open up let's look at their first four games look I'm not I'm not going to go ahead and I think Larry I think you've mentioned this too I'm not going to go ahead and crown them division champions or heck I'm not even going to go ahead and put them in the postseason yet you look at their first four games those are all games that could be dropped First, the Bills, week one on Monday Night Football. Yes, you're home. Let's face it, tough game. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Kamar Hamlin, the Bills are going to be pumped up for that one. At the Cowboys, is going to be a tough game. Versus the Patriots and Bill Belichick, and then versus the Chiefs. Those are literally four games you could see 0-4, and then somehow this team could rebound and come back and make the playoffs. But they got a tough schedule. After after the first four weeks of what I call a pretty murderous row, they go to Denver and play Sean Payton, who 
was one of your stories as well, Wayne. And then they go in week six and play the defending NFC champion, Philadelphia Eagles. So those are six very tough games right out the gate for a club that has a lot of expectations preseason. So that was also one of my main stories. So we dropped down in that one. Um, if you guys want to comment on this one when I finish, go right ahead. We'll bring it back up. My second one, I got the Falcons shirt on for a reason. It's the NFC South. It's the biggest question mark in any of the NFL divisions. You really can't call who's going to win the division. If you want to go by quarterback, sure, go ahead and pick Derek Carr. But they're also one of the oldest teams in the NFL, averaging just over 28 years old at every position. Taysom Hill's there. He's ex uh, expected to have more of a wide receiver role, get some more receptions from the tight end position, flexed out, a very versatile player. So that that that's a question mark to me. That's one of the biggest offseason storylines. What the heck's going to happen in the NFC South, guys? I really love the Falcons' chances. We had Will McFadden on, as, as Larry mentioned a couple weeks ago. He thinks he's high on the Falcons this year. I think it's going to be a sack-by-committee type uh, defensive line. You're going to get three from here. Hey, we're going to be like Oprah. Everybody's going to get two or three sacks on that defensive front seven, and by the end of the year, we'll add up right around 35, 40 sacks. I think that's good. So that's my second story. The NFC South, who comes out on top. I do, I do see Atlanta winning the division as long as Desmond Ritter progresses at a steady rate throughout the season. And my biggest off-season question mark, and I'm glad none of you guys have talked about it, is where in the heck is DeAndre Hopkins going to land? Latest reports have him stopped in Nashville. And look, that wouldn't be a bad fit. That would not be a bad fit there with a new quarterback. A uh, gentleman from Kentucky was drafted. You obviously had Tannehill there. Um, blanking on the guy's name from Kentucky. Someone help me. Now, Levis. Will Levis there. So, uh, if you do land Hopkins with the running game and Derrick Henry, that's an immediate Super Bowl-type team uh, with that offense and what Coach Vrabel can do. One of the best in-game coaches there is. We saw him beat Belichick at his own game a couple years ago with the rules and knowing the rule book. So, look, I, I think that's the biggest offseason story, guys, is, is Hopkins. He's one of the best that can do it. When he suits up and puts on a chin strap, he goes out there, it seems like he gets you 10 catches and 100 yards with the touchdown. Where do you guys think Hopkins signed? Right now, guys, I'm leaning in New England. I think Belichick with a superior wide receiver like that, look, the one time he got a superior wide receiver, guys, they went to the Super Bowl and they were unbeaten with Randy Moss. So he has experience with elite wide receivers. I think that's the best landing spot for Hopkins. What say you, Larry? Um, I like the New England spot. I'll tell you, and I'll, and I'll throw a uh, make you say hmm point. Something that would be surprising in, in a team that would probably have the cap space to be able to pull it off is the Denver Broncos. Yeah. To give Russell Wilson another weapon to use on the outside because you've got Jerry Judy, but Judy needs some help. You've got to be able to revitalize that offense because they haven't been able to really put any points on the board as an offensive team ever since. Heck, I mean, from Paxton Lynch to uh, 
Like, I can't even remember who the other quarterback that used to spend time with Paxton Lynch was before they got Russell Wilson. But their offense has been atrocious, you know. And Cotswilder, I believe, is, mm-hmm. is who you're thinking so, of, right? Yeah. They had the guy from Memphis there for a little while, but I don't think he was there for more than a year. Yep, yep. And so the people that – I don't even know what the stadium name is anymore. It used to be Invesco at Mile High at Sports Authority slash blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but – those were some diehard fans. I think D. I really think DeAndre Hopkins would help infuse some more life into that fan base. Plus, give Russell Wilson a guaranteed target that he could depend on. Everybody in in mainstream media seems to agree with JJ though. They they think it's either going to be Tennessee or New England, and both of those situations make perfect sense as well. It gives Mac Jones a security blanket, you know. It gives Ryan Tannehill a replacement for A.J. Brown, who went to Philadelphia. So either of those scenarios could work. But if it's me personally, what I would love to see, I'd love to see him in Sean Payton's offense with Russell Wilson as his quarterback and to give some life into that team because they're kind of being forgotten about in that AFC West, you know? I like it. That would be a great landing destination for Hopkins and uh, immediately propel the Denver Broncos as one of the favorites in the AFC West. I mean, folks, uh, at one point, at some point, the Chiefs have to falter, right? I mean, so at some point, they have to fall, right? Not all dynasties tick on forever like the New England Patriots, do they? Well, that's a whole other offseason story to ask. Uh, We'll see. I'm excited for the NFL season, folks. It's crazy to think. As we are recording this right now, we're 64 days away from Thursday Night Football. kickoff on September 7th of 2023. Guys, any final thoughts on the NFL, the A-Rod story, which we all thought was huge, or uh, any other quick hits we want to get around the NFL before we move on? Training camp is just a couple of weeks away. They'll be at it, man. Yep. Training camp, the most fun part of an NFL fans season. Everybody's got a shot to win the Super Bowl in training camp. (laughs) Folks, if you like the content, give us a like, give us a thumbs up, subscribe, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and of course, subscribe on YouTube. Let's move on from the NFL. We'll go to the basketball courts of the NBA. Summer League's underway, but I don't really care about Summer League. I'll be honest with you. I want to talk more about the heart of what's going on off the court in NBA free agency. Uh, the, the period is underway. Everything will be official tomorrow, July 6th. So let's uh, talk about some news and notes from the NBA's free agency period. Uh, I'll start off with the note. Again, remember all trades made during free agency won't be official until Thursday. July 6th. So I want to make sure I said that twice. Uh, give me your two teams that improved during free agency and two teams that did not improve. I hate saying failed or whatever because, you know, every team has their own vision. But give me two teams that improved, two teams that didn't improve. And, uh, Wayne, you got something for us? Go ahead and start Start off. Uh, tell us how uh, what, what two teams improved and didn't. Well, I'm going to say these two teams improved their chances because of things that they did or maybe didn't do. Uh, 
Atlanta, I really think, improved uh, their position because of uh, getting rid of John Collins, which is going to open up more money for them to spend and move around to their favor and their benefit. And the other improved team is going to be Dallas uh, because Seth Curry and uh, Kyrie Irving being a limited free agent with them. And if I'm going to do an honorable mention, I'm going to say Phoenix because, again, they're a team that had little changes. So. I like the I like it across the top. I definitely like the Mavericks uh, signing Kyrie Irving. Steph's younger brother Seth is always a good signing. Yeah. You're going to get a player who gives 110. percent I'm on the opposite end of Atlanta. Actually, uh, oh. we'll go there a little later. But I'll give you my two teams that improved, and then we'll go to Larry. Look, I, I think Golden State did a wonderful job by re-signing. Uh, their power forward and Draymond Green, and then acquiring the trusty veteran Chris Ball. They now possess the type of point guard that can distribute the ball evenly amongst the abundance of three point shooting that is Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. So, again, signing Draymond Green, the acquisition of the old crafty veteran Chris Paul. Those are two acquisitions that, look, I, I think this team just got the point guard that can, hey, you know what? I'm going to let these guys score. I don't have to do it anymore, Larry. I can just sit here, dish it, watch the ball go through the net, get 20 assists a game, which I think he's going to average close to it. I'd say 12, 15, somewhere in that range. That's how that offense is going to have to work, and I think that is a great move improving the Golden State Warriors chances of dethroning the Nuggets next season. Second team that improved the most, I'll go East Coast this time. It's got to be Boston. I, everybody's dogging the, the, the Christophe Porzingis move. I, I think it's a good one. I mean, you get a third option behind Tatum and, and Brown. Uh, you, you don't have to rely so much on Al Holford's outside game. I think you get a better three-point shooter with Porzingis. I mean, every single starting starting player in that roster can shoot the three ball effectively. So I think Boston got a lot better. Uh, and those are my two teams that improved the most. Larry, what about you, man? Um, you took one of my two teams in Boston, so I'm going to give you two different teams and an honorable mention. Uh, number one, the Los Angeles Lakers. They have signed about six different free agents and retained two of their own that I thought was going to be very critical to their success, mainly in Austin Reeves. That, to get him to re-up, was huge. You got signings like Cam Reddish. You know, I think, uh, uh, can't remember who the other, the other ones are off the top of my head, but they they solidified themselves as still being able to be at least a Western Conference semifinals or Western Conference finals team with the signings that they have. Two, the Phoenix Suns saying, I'm going all in with Bradley Beal. If they get even a remotely decent point guard, that lineup is going to be hard to deal with if everyone stays healthy with DeAndre Ayton, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and now Bradley Beal. You got, you, you got to, you, hey, they, they, they put themselves in position to be contenders. My honorable mention is the Houston Rockets. With the addition of Fred Van Vliet, even though the money was crazy, that, that made no sense to me whatsoever. But that addition, along with the Dylan Brooks addition, to give them some defensive intensity and some 
and some, I hate to use the term dog in the fight, but to get them some defensive dog in the fight, along with getting the coach Ime Udoka, I think with the young talent they already had, don't be shocked if you see Houston sniff a play-in spot or maybe a, even a, a seven or eight seed come playoff time. They are doing the things that need to be done to make sure that they get themselves up in a, in a hurry. Another team to look out for, addition without having to do nothing, the Oklahoma City Thunder, because Chet Holmgren will be able to play with them boys this year as a rookie, added to the team that they already had. It was a playoff team. So sometimes you can, like Wayne said, sometimes you can get addition by subtraction, and sometimes you can get addition by addition without even having to make any moves and still have a plethora of draft picks and money to be able to use. So to this very day, the Paul George trade was the dumbest trade in NBA history. And we'll leave it and, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I also, I, I, my honorable mention would have been the Suns as well. I like the addition of Eric Gordon on the two year, $6 million deal. Um, and, and the Lakers have done a lot. They, they, they could be an honorable mention as well. Um, Patty Mills, um, Going to the Thunder, you mentioned the Thunder as well. So lots of uh, lots of acquisitions in the free agency period. Uh, let's go to the opposite side of that spectrum. Teams that didn't improve or failed, if you want to say, but I don't like saying that because I, I'm with Atlanta is not improving. Now, I'm not saying they didn't do some good things in free agency. Getting rid of John Collins' contract, good. But getting rid of John Collins, the player for Rudy Gay, is not improving the team. And granted, I know it's a cap-saving move, and this could potentially lead to someone else or something else <laughs> later on. But uh, as of right now, the Hawks haven't improved, so they're in my not-improved list. And then the other team, kind of the same thing. I'm going to keep them as a positive improvement. <laughs> Excuse me. But the Wizards... They acquired Jordan Poole and two first-round draft picks. This is a great move for the future of the franchise because uh, that doesn't improve them now, but it, it does make them possible contenders if they hit on those draft picks and then free agency in the near future because I think Jordan Poole is a pretty good piece to have up there in D.C. Larry, uh, I'll let you go with your two not-improved teams in the NBA free agency period. Number one, <laughs> your Philadelphia 76ers <laughs> did not help themselves at all during free agency. As a matter of fact, they are about to obliterate the entire process. <laughs> your One of your top stars in James Harden opts into his deal and immediately requests to be traded. I feel so. I, I, Part of me feels bad for Joel Embiid, but then part of me does not because the guy does what he does. He goes and grinds. He works hard. He puts up the stats. He gets an MVP. He says, trust the process, and all the process is going to be undone by the end of it. It's got him to an Eastern Conference semifinal berth a couple of times, and that's it. Philadelphia, you dropped the ball because you're on the verge of building something great there in, in Freedom City, as we call it, you 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 had so much potential to be right on the cusp of being a championship team, and now with free agency all upon us, you dropped the ball. Atlanta, 
I'm talking to my, I'm talking to my hog on hogs, talking to y'all. Yes, we need to get away from the John Collins contract. No, we did not need to get away from John Collins, a player. <laughs> Unfortunately, you can't separate the two. Nope. Now, here's the problem you got. DeJounte Murray, on the last year of his deal, if he does not re-sign, you basically gave away four years of your future for nothing. And the rumor mill says Pascal Siakam might be coming to town. Please don't do it. Landry Fields, Kyle Corver, Steve Coonan, uh, uh, wrestler, canceling a whole bunch of the game, whoever making decisions, please do not do that deal. Onyeka is on the verge of becoming an all-star. Jalen Johnson is showing some promise. You got one of the best three-point marksmen on the squad in A.J. Griffin. Sadiq Bey gave you flashes of goodness all since we acquired him. You've got young talent. I believe the Hawks may be too middle. I don't, you don't really need stars. You need one more star to pair with Trey. But I think if you allow these kids to grow up, because the problem with us as fans is we want to see entitlement success too early. And when stats really show, it takes seven to nine years for these kids to really come into their own. So if you look at that pathway, on Yucca's right on that same curve. Jalen can be on that same curve. And with Quinn Snyder getting a whole full year of being able to do what he needs to do with the tutelage of them with them kids. Listen, Atlanta has a lot to go, but you got to make sure you get DeJounte to sign on the ink. He's got to sign on the line. Because if you let him walk, you basically gave away from now to about 2030, you basically gave away your future for nothing. And if that happens, Woo, Hawks fans, boy, tragic, tragic, tragic. <laughs> yeah, Larry, we're, we're on the same page, man. I, I I agree John Collins was a good player. The contract was not. So uh, Rudy Gay, no disrespect, pretty good player, but not nearly as athletic and versatile as John Collins. Wayne, you're two teams that did not improve, and we'll move on to Major League Baseball real quick. Well, I'm going to call it this. I'm going to say these two teams uh, created a much steeper hill to climb in the upcoming season. I'll put it that way. Uh, <laughs> the the first one is going to be Toronto. I think they lost too many key players. They, they I don't know what happened up there, but they just decided to unload just about everybody, which is weird. And my second one, this again may seem weird, but I'm, I don't have much faith in the fact that they've wanting to bring in Derrick Rose to Memphis. I, I question that move, unless it's just to put people in the seats since he played one year with the Memphis Tigers. Uh, and then those seats are going to be empty after the fourth game when he gets hurt for the rest of the season. So I, I just don't know why they want to make that move on a guy that's, you know, spends more time on the uh, reserve list than he does on the court. Yeah, it's tough as a Grizzlies fan, uh, to, a team that's with uh, Johnson and, and Gasol right there on the edge of the Western Conference Finals. So uh, that wraps up our NBA free agency talk. Let's go ahead and move to the final segment of the show. Talk a little Major League Baseball again. The last series before the All-Star break is this weekend. 
Let's go over some news and notes from an exciting first half of Major League Baseball. I'll start this one off, guys. First pitch of the storylines for Major League Baseball in the first half of the season has to revolve around these Atlanta Braves, and especially their month of June. 61 home runs, a record of 21-4, and four, a franchise record, and a franchise record of eight players selected to the All-Star game. The previous record was seven. That was set in 97 and 2003. We also, the Braves, tied a record for most All-Stars from a National League team, along with the 2008 Cubs, the 1960 Pirates, the 56 Reds, and the 43 Cardinals, who I remember like it was yesterday. Look, the Braves had a 27-game span in which the team hit 304, they averaged seven runs a game, oh, and they hit 67 home runs in that 27-game span. It's, uh, it, it, it's just, it's eye-popping, folks. That's the story. That's the whole thing. It's the Atlanta Braves and this historic offense. You can, you can cut it up any way you want to. And then a storyline within the storyline, a lot of the National League All-Star infield as Ron Washington is the common denominator. Look, nearly every position has been on the Braves in 2021 or is currently on the Braves roster in that infield. That's Sean Murphy, Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson, Ozzy Albies, Arcia, Swanson, and of course, Austin Riley. I don't think I missed anyone in there, but absolutely unbelievable. So again, Ron Washington, Close to a common denominator in the All-Star Games National League infield. The hot Braves, and uh, they're smacking the living crap out of the baseball. 67 home runs in a 27-game span. That does extend into the month of July, but still pretty crazy June. That's my number one storyline uh, from the first half of the season. I know it's Homer-related, but folks, again, eye-opening numbers. Larry, give me a storyline from the first half of the season a couple storylines, one storyline, five storylines. Go ahead, shoot. It doesn't matter. No, you're good, man. My my storyline, we all love the Braves as a fan. We love to see what's going on. But as a longtime member of Braves country, I don't want to just guarantee that they're gonna be in the World Series just yet. Because if you remind if you're if you've been a Braves fan as long as at least 30 years. You've seen a couple of teams that were similar to what we're looking at now. The 98 team comes to mind. How we thought we were going to be world beaters and San Diego had another thing coming. The 2002 team, what we call, uh, we probably one of the most offensive, offensive loaded teams the Braves has had. And they met a San Francisco team that just was hot at the right time. Let's just enjoy what we're watching before we just go ahead and crown them World Series champions. Before we do that. Now, my story well story said. is in the American League with the 2023 version of Babe Ruth and Shohei Otani. And I'm so, so hoping that he is not on the injured list when Los Angeles comes to Atlanta here in a few weeks. Because I don't think people really understand the talent that it takes to do what Shohei is doing. To to understand the level of production he is doing both pitching and hitting, that stuff, especially with what we see in this day and age, 
with kids being so specialized and travel ball all year long, to see what he is doing is absolutely remarkable. And my last big story, the Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> One of the lowest payrolls in baseball, but yet still winning baseball games and winning series after series after series. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to be like the Yankees of the, the 90s and the 2000s and spend $200 billion on your payroll to, to put a competitive team on the field. And, and, the, and the management at Tampa is showing you that you don't. You just got to get people who are skilled, can put the ball in play, and the rest will take care of itself. As long as you got some pitchers, you can win. So those are my storylines so far, JJ, first half of the year. I'm excited to see what the second half. I know, Wayne, you're going to talk about your Texas boys. That's why I didn't throw them in there. <laughs> They're having a great year as well. What you got, Wayne? Well, you know, I'm excited that there's going to be six uh, Texas Rangers in the All-Star game. Uh, and it, it's turning out that I guess the first couple innings are going to be pretty much uh, Atlanta versus Texas, which is cool. And uh, listen, I'm I'm in the same boat with you about uh, Otani. That guy's one heck of a designated hitter. And uh, to have him play in the DH for the American League is fantastic, in my opinion. Um, you know, I spent the 4th of July in Missouri. And all of the family members who were there, most of them are either Kansas City or they're St. Louis fans. Kansas City fans have pretty much given up. Uh, St. Louis fans are still hopeful, uh, but apparently the big news is that uh, they're very unhappy with their skipper up in uh, the St. Louis area, and they feel like that is the problem. And that makes me wonder if, uh, unless Atlanta has a really nice contract with uh, Ron Washington, you know, does he want to, you know, become the manager of a team again, or is he happy being a, a position coach? That's a great storyline to ask moving forward, Wayne, because St. Louis is a prestigious managerial job, and Marvel's not doing a good job up there. And, and, and we're talking baseball town USA, you might as well call St. Louis. They sell out every game, good or bad. Uh, that is a great storyline. My, my second storyline from the first half is, is I, I led right into it, and I'm not going to lie. It's the all-star game. It's the rosters from each side. You have a ton of Braves, a ton of Dodgers, a ton of Rangers, uh, right, right on down to the reserves. So the American League, we'll just go over the starters here. Uh, catcher Jonah Heim from uh, Texas. Uh, Diaz from Tampa Bay, Marcus Simeon from Texas, Josh Jung, Corey Seager at uh, shortstop, Jung at third base, both from Texas again. Mike Trout, fortunately, he's going to miss the game as we heard the broken wrist news. Rosarina uh, from Tampa Bay, Aaron Judge, also questionable before the All-Star game, and Shohei Atani. There's your starters for the American League. And we'll go to the elected National League starters, Sean Murphy, obviously the Braves, Freddie Freeman, Dodgers, Luis Arias from Miami, Nolan Arnando from St. Louis, Orlando Arcia, Brave, Ronald Acuna Jr., the leading vote-getter in all of baseball, right field, Atlanta, Mookie Betts, outfield, Los Angeles Dodgers, Corbin Carroll from Arizona, could be an MVP and a Rookie of the Year candidate. And the DH for the National League is no other than J.D. Martinez. So, uh, again, first half of the year, you have a lot of Dodgers players in there. 
you kind of thought you'd see a lot of the Juan Soto's, Manny Machado's, Fernando Tatis. And that kind of leads into my story of number two. Where are the Padres? What <laughs> happened to the Padres? What happened to the Mets? Ever since the Mets have said, hey, throw it again, Pete Alonzo, they have not fared too well. That's a whole nother story for a whole different day. But number two is definitely the all-star game rosters. And that's my final story. Very intriguing rosters on both sides. A lot of first-timers. Uh, congratulations to Bryce Elder for making the team, as well as Spencer Strider. Um, again, eight Braves, just wonderful season. And like Larry said, don't crown them champions yet. Do not fall victim like Sal Lytica did last year for the Mets when they went up ten and a half games about this time last year. So, folks, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Enjoy what you got in front of you because it's absolutely astonishing to watch. As we record this, the Braves are up five to nothing. They tacked on uh, to their nearly ninety plus for or ninety first run runs this year. I think they're they're approaching that number with a couple of first uh, four four first inning runs today. So, absolutely impressive what this team is doing. And uh, that's my final thought, guys. The Braves are just absolutely red hot. Yep. Wayne, <laughs> well, give us a final thought. Larry, a final thought on baseball. If you got one, if not, we'll give our final thoughts. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll confess just like uh, I know y'all are probably doing watching scores while we're trying to record this thing, but uh, Texas is starting to sneak up on Boston, so I'm a little excited. <laughs> Larry, any final thoughts for Major League Baseball's first half of the season, buddy? You know what my final thought for the, my, for the Major League Baseball is one Ronald Acuna Jr. And what he is doing on a historical level. Listen, (laughs) these generational talents that you get to see, oh, yeah, I see the bobblehead, baby, the bobblehead, the bobble, bobble. What what Ronnie is doing on on 20-plus homers, 40-plus stolen bases, 50-plus RBIs, before the all-star break we talked about it a couple of weeks ago if he continues his pace he's on pace to have 40 plus homers 75 plus stolen bases and over 100 rbis if those numbers don't secure you the nl mvp because you're talking mlb to show numbers at this point you know if those numbers don't secure you the NL MVP, I don't know what else he can possibly do. Now, there's a little somebody in Arizona that's going to have a little bit to say about that before the end of the year, and and we'll see him at Truist Park here in, in about a week and a half. But, ladies and gentlemen, just appreciate the greatness of what Ronald Acuna is. And I know we, have, we expect it all the time because we see what he do, and it just – it's mind-boggling. But sometimes, as a fan, we don't take the time to appreciate greatness because we're so inundated with stats all the time. Stats, 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 stats. Sometimes, cut the Twitter off, <laughs> cut the social media off, and just appreciate the glory of the greatness that's playing before you there at Truist Park each and every night. Well said. Well said. I'll give you a bonus final thought, guys. That's off to the rule changes. I was skeptic. I was 
not impressed. I was spitting on the rules, for lack of a better term. I love them. Yep. Hitchcock has in, in, increased uh, time of play. I'm getting to bed a little bit earlier on the West Coast games. So, hey, the stolen bases, it's exciting baseball. So, hats off, Major League Baseball. You, you've outdone yourself all the way around. I can't wait till the second half of the season. Guys, let's go to our final thoughts of the show. I'll kick the final thoughts off. And uh, it's got to be with an orange tea for my guy, Ricky Fowler. Congratulations, Ricky Fowler, on winning the 2023 Rocket Mortgage Classic at Detroit Golf Club over the weekend in beautiful Michigan. Uh, first win on the PGA Tour since 2019. Orange tea for you, Mr. Fowler. Congratulations. Larry, your final thought, buddy. And then Wayne, you'll close us out. All right. My, my final thought is simple and easy, gentlemen. And it, Wayne, I thought Wayne was going to take it a little bit earlier. But <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, a team to watch out for in the NFL season is those Jacksonville Jaguars. Yep. And I'm telling you right now, look for Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley to be one of the top QB and wide receiver connections for this 2023 season. If you're getting ready to have your fantasy drafts, Around the league, wherever you do, if you ain't picking one of them in the first five rounds, you better. Because I'm telling you, those two together, I got a feeling it's going to come up with some top, top, almost like Tom Brady to Randy Moss type numbers. And I'm excited for the people in Jacksonville because you guys deserve it. Yep. Well, my final thought will just be uh, something to do with college football. And uh, I know I've been saying it and saying it and saying it, but I continue to say it. Watch out for the U and the ACC because um, they've. Uh, I, I think they're going to be the sleeper, going to surprise everybody. That's right. All right, I'm not good at closing out the show, so uh, uh, JJ, would you close it out? Because uh, I'll say something weird and it won't be right. <laughs> for Wayne in Memphis, Larry in Adairsville, for TC who's not with us this evening, I'm JJ. Thanks for listening to ATL Prime Sports. Like, subscribe, follow Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and, of course, Apple and Spotify. Get you one, folks. We'll see you next week.